Today, this is Thanksgiving Sunday, so we're going to incorporate Thanksgiving into our current series, which is Well with God. We've been talking the last few weeks, God help whoever that's for in Jesus' name. Um, so we've been talking the last few weeks about decisions that you can make that will make your life better. And I hope that you've been applying those things to your life because truly these are God-given biblical decisions that when you implement God's way into your life, your life gets better. How many of you have experienced that? Most of this side has. A few people over here. All right. I'm going to get you guys worked out today one way or another. All right. Listen, I preach better when people talk to me, all right? I preach better. If you want a, if you want a really good preacher, put a smile on him, give it to me, all right? All right, who said that? Oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> all right, so today we're going to continue that series, and we're going to talk about this. Think thankful. This is a life-changing decision that you can make. When you think thankful thoughts... When you choose gratitude in your life, this is one decision that can change your entire life. Thoughts of gratitude, appreciation, cultivated over a period of time, are far-reaching into bringing better into your life. Instead of dwelling on the negative, instead of dwelling on things that could have been, and wishing things were different, Making thanksgiving a part of your daily life, it's life-changing. Your happiness, your peace, your hopefulness, your ability to let go of negativity, to not be stuck in the past any longer, your stress levels will go down, your sleep will be better. Everybody said amen to that one. You'll have more creativity, you'll have better relationships. You'll have a better marriage. You'll even have better kids. And you'll have better health. The one decision that you can make to greatly improve your life today is truly thinking thankfully. Gratitude is a positive emotion. It's an emotion. It's an emotion that you have. It's not just a thought. It's an emotion that you have because of the thought. One that you can decide. A lot of emotions just happen to you. But this emotion comes because you think it. You decide it. Think thankful. All throughout the Old Testament, God taught us about choosing gratitude in our lives. And you know, that's what the Old Testament is really about. God teaching us how to live as His people. God taught this group of people, this is how you live together in peace. This is what wholeness looks like. This is what family looks like. This is what it looks like to be able to live together without disease, without people murdering each other. This is how it looks to be a a functioning, large group of people. And so God used the Israelites to teach us even how to police the earth and how to do the things that need to be done in order for us to live properly together. Well, one of those things that God intentionally taught us to do through the Israelites was to embrace gratitude in our lives. God established, Deuteronomy chapter 16 teaches us about these things, three specific days in the year that the people were supposed to 
express gratitude or think through the things that they're grateful about. The first one is called Passover. How many of you have ever heard of Passover? What significant thing took place on Passover 2,000 years ago, specifically? Jesus died. And that, that was from a couple of thousand years before that when the Israelites were delivered out of Egypt. And so God established Passover throughout all of those years so that when Jesus died on the day of Passover, he was the lamb that was slain for the salvation of our lives to free us from our sin and do what? He became the, the new escape from Egypt for us. That's awesome. So God established this. And God said the reason for this feast, Deuteronomy 16, he said, as long as you live, this thin bread, representing the body of Jesus, this thin bread will remind you of the day you left Egypt. So they were, com- they were to remember the day that they left Egypt. And how many of you know how much more important it is to remember the day that Jesus died for us? And even more important than that is Jesus raised from, us, from the dead for us. So let me ask you a question. When God established this as a day for them to become, uh, to remember, was God saying, all right, I want you to remember for the rest of your days, the rest of your lives, to never forget the pain and struggle your people went through when they were in slavery back here in Egypt. Is that what God wanted them to remember? Let's come together and let's mourn how difficult a life it was for the for the Israelites as they lived in Egypt. That's not what God wanted them to come and do. What did He want? He wanted them to come together and celebrate the fact that God had brought them out of Egypt, that He had delivered them from their slavery. God wants you to be able to translate that into your life in a way that says, I am so grateful for what God has done for me instead of mourning for your past. Then there was also the Harvest Festival. It was also called the Feast of Weeks. So there are a few different names for some of these festivals, so it can be confusing as you read throughout Scripture. But this was also called the Feast of Weeks. And this one took place in early summer. So you had Passover, which took place uh, around Easter time for us, which was in the spring. This happened in early summer. And this was to thank God for the beginning of the the wheat harvest. So this was before the wheat harvest, they were to begin thanking God. And for this festival, God told them to celebrate. That's an awesome God. Now, I don't know about you, but I like to come and celebrate. I like parties. Parties that we can remember. Parties that everybody is sober and enjoying one another. And you know what I'm talking about? I like parties. I like to celebrate. And God was telling the people, come and celebrate. Now, there are some churches that are just like, "Um, um, uh, um, mm, that's not me. And for this festival, to worship and honor Him, 
Deuteronomy 16, it says, he, he told them, at this festival, bring him an offering as large as you can afford, it says, depending on how big a harvest he's given you. And Moses ended God's instructions with this, remember that you used to be slaves in Egypt. What is he saying? Celebrate that you were delivered out of Egypt. Celebrate it. Now, what is he doing? He's setting out intentional days, teaching the people, be intentional to be thankful and to celebrate and to give honor to God for what he's done in your life. Be intentional with it. And the third day, these are all listed in Deuteronomy chapter 16. He's, the third day was the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths and thanking God for the end of the harvest season. So celebrate the feast the feast to God is, is what the scripture says here. Your God for seven days at the place God designates. God, your God, has been blessing you in, the, in your harvest and in all your work. So make a day of it. Really celebrate. That's pretty awesome. And so he concludes this section on these three things. And we'll talk a little bit more about that festival in just a little bit. But he concludes this section in this chapter with this information. He says, all your men... Must appear before God, your God, three times each year at the place he designates at the feast of unraised bread, which is a Passover in this, in this um, passage, and at the feast of weeks. So the first was the Passover, then the feast of weeks, which was the one in the, in the summertime, and the feast of booths, which is the one in the fall. And f- the fall one is what we're about to celebrate. Thanksgiving. No one is to show up in the presence of God empty-handed. Each man must bring as much as he can manage, giving generously in response to the blessing of God, your God. What is he saying? He's saying God is going to bless you, and you need to come in and celebrate, and you need to come in with worship and praise, and you even need to bring something to show God and say, God, you're my God, and I love you. It's just an awesome opportunity, as we talked about last week, to show gratitude and love towards him. So God knows that this attitude of gratitude is not going to happen in your life accidentally. So he established these specific times for the children of Israel to to do this throughout the year to say, all right, we need to be people with gratitude in our lives. People of thankfulness. We have to stop And think about what there is to be thankful for in our lives. Or we're not going to do it. And let me say this. You won't have a Thanksgiving celebration. Thursday is going to pass you by. Unless you stop and become thankful. Well, I'll be thankful if Aunt Susie doesn't say something she shouldn't say at Thanksgiving. Well, I'll be thankful if so-and-so doesn't show up. (laughs) I'll be thankful if the turkey turns out good. I'll be thankful then. I'll be thankful then. No, 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 no. It starts right now. Choose gratitude. Think thankful. Start now. And more than that, God loves it when you remember what he did for you 2,000 years ago. 
loves it. And it's one of the reasons why he gave us communion. Communion is that time of thanksgiving that we do here every month. To stop and say, thank you, Jesus, for what you did for us. To have gratitude in our heart. For what? Delivering us from Egypt. Our, our past, our old lives. Have you ever come empty-handed towards God? God, I'm so grateful, but we're empty-handed. We have nothing to offer to Him. Have you ever thought about expressing gratitude for, to Him for what He did in your life? Have you ever considered that? Are you thankful for His sacrifice? Or are you caught up in bitterness, anger, and frustration, confusion? Maybe it was a hurt or a pain and you're caught up in your past and you don't know what to do to, to move forward. You see, gratitude is an emotion that you choose to have. It's not something that's going to broadside you. It's not, you're not going to be walking across the living room floor as you're going to check on the turkey and suddenly, oh my goodness, I feel grateful. No, it's not going to happen. It's a thought that you have to have. You, you can suddenly have a jolt of happiness, right? When you have an unexpected reward, when a bonus comes your way, or a gift, you can suddenly go, oh, this is awesome. Or you see somebody that you love and you weren't expecting them to be there and they show up and there's that elation. But then there's fear can also be an emotion that jolts you. You're, unexpectedly, you didn't plan it. You didn't think about it. When the, you know, when, when the person shows up that you weren't expecting to show up. Or you see somebody that you weren't expecting to be there. Or a smell comes into your nostrils that brings back a bad memory. It jolts you. It brings an emotion to you. And you weren't expecting it. But gratitude is different. This is a, this is a feeling that you have to choose to have. It's an emotion that you have to choose to have. It's a decision that you make. But gratitude, it's a feeling. And doctors say this, that gratitude is a distinct joy that shows a unique signature in the brain. They could, when they see gratitude in the brain, it's unique. It's different from any other emotion that they can spot on an MRI. It's different, and they can see it differently. And as you grow in cultivating gratefulness and thankfulness in your life, you're also able to begin seeing even the negative, the negative situations in your life, the painful situations in your life, you're able to begin seeing them as something that you can be grateful for, as difficult as they were. You see, your pain brought new possibilities. Your struggle brought more strength. Your disappointment made you deeper, and even your failures can make a better future for you. You've got to look and see how those things have happened in your life and how they've been able to be turned for good. And what is God's promise for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose? What's His promise? He works all things together for good for those people who love Him and are called according to His purpose. You see, all of these things in your life can either stop you or they can bring new things into your life. They can bring new people into your life. They can bring new places into your life. And they can bring new beginnings into your life. But you have to choose it. You can't 
feel good on the backside of your pain and heartbreaks in life until you begin to think thankful. You can't. You can't move forward until you begin to have gratitude for it. You see, to move forward in your life, to have happiness and joy again, it takes a decision. You have to choose gratitude, otherwise it's not going to happen. It's not going to accidentally come to you. You have to find the value in your life for you to have gratitude. You have to look for it. What's interesting, though, as hard as it is for you to find gratitude sometimes, as hard as it is for you to think thankful at times, everybody around you could look into your life and go, well, you got this to be thankful for, you got this to be thankful for, and you got this to be thankful for. Oh, you got good hair. You should be thankful for that. I mean, if nothing else... Your breath doesn't stink at the moment, so that's good. People can find anything to be thankful for in your life. They can look at you and go, here's what you can be thankful for. Oh, your electricity's out? Well, you got running water, don't you? But here's what I would encourage you, you know, to be careful. It's not a good practice to go around telling other people what they should be thankful for. Be careful. Don't be one of those people. We don't like those people. Why? Because it hurts. When other people start telling us how and why we should be grateful, it hurts. I remember back in 2017, our house was struck by lightning. We were down on the beach. All we had was beach clothes, and our house burned. So we come back, and life is different, all right? And so the next Sunday, our church family was wonderful, except for one lady. So (laughs) Angela had this, uh, my wife, my late wife, she had this moment of vulnerability with one of the ladies, and and she doesn't attend here anymore, so it's okay. (laughs) We didn't kick her out, I promise you. We don't do that. But she had this moment of vulnerability, and she was was really just, I mean, your house just burned, okay? So all these memories and all this stuff just gone, and uh, life is just in an upheaval. And and the lady's response was, "Oh, well, you'll get it all back. You'll get everything brand new, and everything will be fine." And she just turned around and walked away. And when I got home, Angela shared this with me, and she was just heartbroken, you know. And not only that, but she was angry, you know. I just want I mean, how many of you would just really just have a problem with that kind of an attitude? Absolutely. So please, don't go walking around telling people how they should be grateful. And honestly, over the last couple of years, I've had a couple of people try to list reasons. And I know this sounds horrible for me to say, but it's just true. It sounds worse at the moment, you know, because it is what it is. So it's the only way I can say it. They've, they've tried to help me by telling me how I can be grateful that my wife passed away. I know that sounds crazy, but you know, they're just trying to help. They're not trying to hurt, but, the, but here's the reality. I have to find reasons to be grateful. I have to find those things in my life. Nobody can tell it to me, even if they're right. I have the responsibility to find the reasons to be grateful in my life. And you have responsibility in your life to make sense of 
and to find something to be grateful for whatever happened way back when. Otherwise, you're going to be stuck there. And as difficult as it is, the reality is God has brought good things into my life because of the passing of my wife. He has done good things and brought good things into my kids' lives because of the passing of their mother. But they have the responsibility of finding those things. I have that responsibility. You know, Chad, we've been praying for him. He's watching this morning. But Chad broke his leg a couple of weeks ago, his ankle a couple of weeks ago, and it's been a hard time for him. But it's just a beautiful situation to know that the reason Chad is a part of this church family and in the body of Christ today is because he went to my wife's memorial. And at that memorial is where he decided that he was going to be a strong follower of Jesus Christ. And he started coming to church, got baptized. Isn't that beautiful? Now, as, as great as Chad is, sorry, Chad, you're not a replacement for my wife. But it's something to be grateful for. My kids are stronger. My thinking is deeper. My ability to connect with people is way deeper. There are good things that I'm so grateful for. And the reality is, she's in heaven. And I believe that. And I'm thankful for that. Because she's not having to put up with a mess in this world, and she don't have to put up with me anymore. And that's a good thing. Not really about me, but... (laughs) God has brought good things into my life. Have a new friend I wouldn't have. Now, here's another thing you need to know about this. When you think thankful, you're able to be present in the moment. When you think thankful, you're able to be present in the moment. What do I mean? You see, when you have thoughts of bitterness and anger and hurt and resentment and unforgiveness, you're stuck in the past. You're stuck back there. And there are certain things that trigger you and take you right back there, and you're stuck there. The other day, the kids were all hanging out, and Eli was having fun, and we were laughing and joking. Our house is, honestly, it's just full of laughter and joy. And and Eli, you know... (laughs) He's spinning in circles to see how long he can stay standing before he falls, you know. And we're like, get away from the tile, you know. Trying to save his life. And he's just so much fun to watch. But I was sitting there and I was watching this and I was listening to the kids and they were making jokes and conversation. And, and I looked over and I, I saw her seat where she should be sitting. And my mind began to go there. Man, this should be her place. This should be She should be enjoying this moment. But she wasn't there, you know? And I could tell that if I continued to think on those things, my brain and my emotions were beginning to spiral. And it wouldn't be long before I'd have to get up and I'd have to get out of the room and go into the other room. And I would miss completely that moment that I was so enjoying. I would, I would completely miss the opportunity to see my grandson and my kids just laughing and having a good time. I would, I would miss out on that. But more than that, my kids would miss me being there and enjoying that and loving them. 
And when you're stuck in these things, if you don't reroute your thinking and if you don't embrace gratitude in your life, you're going to be stuck back here in the past and you're going to continually go there when you get a certain smell, a certain event, a certain day, a, you know, a, a bill in the mail. Anything is going to take you to a place where you just spiral out of control emotionally. But gratitude will change everything. And to be able to sit there and just start saying, God, thank you so much that I can trust she's with you. Thank you so much for my kids. Thank you so much for this moment that I can enjoy watching my grandson and hearing him laugh and watching him fall and watching the kids and listening to him. Thank you so much. You see, gratitude brings you to the present moment and your ability to enjoy Take captive your thoughts, is what the scripture says. You see, you can't move forward as long as you're living in the past. That deserves something. You can't move forward until, and, and, as long as you're living in the past. You can't. And you can't build new memories if you're living in regret. These present moments are so meaningful and wonderful as long as... As you're living in your past, you're never going to experience them. Gratitude is the way out. Scripture says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving in your heart. Enter his courts with praise. Yeah, but John, you don't know my pain. Yeah, I do. I do. And it sucks. But enter into his gates with thanksgiving in your heart. And enter into his courts with praise. Why? Because he's delivered you out of the hands of the evil one. And he loves you. The Apostle John recorded a story of Jesus during the Feast of Tabernacles. Remember the Feast of Tabernacles is the one I read about earlier. It was the third one. It was the one that we're... Basically, this the after-harvest celebration, right? And the Feast of Tabernacles, during, this, during that time of year in Jesus' life, he was at his home in Galilee, and 60 miles south of that is where Jesus would have to travel to go and celebrate in this festival, the Thanksgiving festival of his day, where they would celebrate the harvest coming in. And in this festival, you got to understand, this festival was set up to be one week out of the year where the people would set up booths all around Jerusalem, tents and booths. They would, they would go in and they would eat, they would pray, and sometimes they would sleep in those booths throughout the week, all week long. And the, the, the reason for this, God set this in there to, to help them to remember that while the children of Israel had come out of Egypt, they were sleeping in tents and, and these kind of booths, all right? They would set them up everywhere they went. And look what it says. The passage in Leviticus talks about this. It said that I'm doing this, I'm having you do this so that your generations may know that I made the children of Israel to dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. And so it's so important for God to, to have us remember the price that was paid by other people for what, what, we're, what we're enjoying today. You know, it's so important for you to stop and think, man, there are people for 
the last 2,000 years that I'm responsible to, to think good thoughts and to have good feelings toward for me being able to be in church today and to have this relationship with Jesus. Some people gave their lives for this. And the sacrifices that were made for us to even have a church today, just to be thankful and to be thankful for what Jesus did in your life. He's saying these people lived in booths. They lived in tents so that you guys could be free and have this nation today. And so we have that same thing in Christianity to know that people have paid the price for us to have what we have today. It's beautiful. And incidentally, that celebration is still celebrated today. They set up booths all over Jerusalem. They did it a few weeks ago. And on the very last day of it is when they got attacked just a few weeks ago. So Jesus was at his home in Galilee, and his brothers were there. You know, he had half-brothers, and his brothers, they didn't want to believe in him. They started making fun of him. Do you know Jesus had family? How many of you got family? How many of you just can't wait to see your family on Thursday? Yeah. Some of you, I'm grateful, Shelly. Good for you. <laughs> That's good. That's good. And I know, we're all grateful. I can't wait to. But, you know, there's always that one. So, <laughs> and Jesus had family that didn't want to believe in him. And they were making fun of him. They were jealous of him. They, were, they thought he was crazy, to be honest with you, because his popularity had grown. He believed, and they believed that he had this big head about him. And so they went on to make fun of him at this, you know, because they're about to leave to go to this celebration down in Jerusalem. They've got a three-day journey there. And they start talking to Jesus. And you read it, John chapter 5, verses 1 through, or John 7, I'm sorry, verses 1 through 5. And they're like, hey, Jesus, <laughs> why don't you go get your disciples or whatever you call them. And you guys go down and make a show for us down at the Feast of, of Tabernacles. Why don't you go do that? And they're like, you wanna, we know you want to be the next Israelite idol. We know that. This is what you need to do. You need to go down there and start doing some miracles. And they're making fun of Jesus. And you can imagine, Jesus is probably over there making himself a sandwich or washing dishes or something responsible. And these guys are making fun of him. Whew. How embarrassing it must have been when they realized he was God. And they did one day. Because Jude and James wrote the book of Jude the book of James, they're half-brothers of Jesus. And you know how they started their books? Not, I am James, the brother of Jesus. Or, I am Jude, the brother of Jesus. They started their books with, I am James, the servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am Jude, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look it up. Boy, did these guys realize he's God. But they were making fun of him. And Jesus is like, all right, you guys go ahead and go. I can't go. At least not with you. So they left. And Jesus then leaves. And he goes incognito. He arrives in Jerusalem and he's shown up. And the scripture says after that three-day walk, he goes into Jerusalem and he just begins to walk through the crowds. And this is what he heard the crowd saying as he was walking through. Some of them said, he's a good man. He's a good man. Let's talk good about him. But others, no, he deceives people. 
So as Jesus is walking through this crowd, he's, he's hearing people talk about him. He's not there. They're not thinking about what they're supposed to be thinking about. What are they supposed to be thinking about? Gratitude for having a harvest and leaving Egypt way back when. He was there. He's walking through and he's listening to these people. But halfway through the week, he decided to go on into the temple courts and Jesus started teaching. And while he's teaching, the, the guys, the, the, the religious leaders, they're like, hey, did he go to your class? Did he go to your school? Did he go? He didn't go through any of our classes. Where did he learn all of this stuff? And Jesus answers them. He says, my teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak it on my own. He says, if you will choose to do the will of God, all of this is going to begin to make sense and you'll understand that I am speaking from the Father. I am speaking from God. That God gave me these words. You see, the word chooses there comes from a word that means to will, to have in mind, to intend, to be resolved or determined, to purpose, to love, to do a thing, to take delight in or to have pleasure in doing something. Choose. That word chooses there envelops all of those words that I just gave you combined. James David, would you come? So here's a more concise English interpretation of this passage. Jesus said, anyone who wills, has in mind, has resolved, is resolved, is determined, who purposefully loves to, delights in, has pleasure in doing the will of God. What God wants, what God likes, will know that my teaching comes from God, my Father. So then we have to ask the question, okay, well, what is the will of God? I want to know God's will. What is it? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. always pray continually give thanks in all circumstances why for this is God's will in Christ Jesus rejoice always wait a second I thought religion was supposed to be boring and I've been in some churches like that, especially over in Russia. They come in, the guys sit on one side. Well, they sit where the heater is. The guys do. The ladies sit on the other side. Pretty sad, isn't it? And they just... Look at what God wants. He wants you to rejoice. He wants you to be full of life. How often? When? Always. Yeah, but life bites sometimes. Listen, for anybody to come to you and say, well, you should be rejoicing. What's that going to do? It's gonna, just going to keep you from rejoicing. So it's an invitation. It's an invitation. 
you have to choose it. <laughs> You're not going to. Pray continually and give thanks in some circumstances. All. What is he saying? He's saying you've got to find reason to give thanks for everything. The good and the bad, you've got to find it. And nobody else can do it for you. You've got to find it. Now, God will help you if you ask Him. And, and if you ever want to say, well, you should be thankful for something, stop yourself. Wait for them to ask you, hey, can you help me to find anything I can be thankful for in my life? Sure, I can help you with that. And that's a good question if you will ask somebody. Because sometimes you can't see it on your own. What is the will of God? Rejoice, pray, and give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will in Christ Jesus. So what are we doing tonight? We've come to rejoice, we're going to pray, and we're going to give thanks. We're going to give thanks. You realize what God has done just in this church family in the last year. It's tremendous. Souls have been saved, not just here, but around the world. We support missions. You and I, we're a part of something that's way bigger than we could be just by ourselves. It's beautiful what God is doing in this little church. It's beautiful. So real quick, back to the story. First, his brothers were calling him crazy. Jesus, you're crazy. You're messed up in the head. Then they're making fun of him. And then the crowd tried to get into his head. The crowd tried to get into his How many of you have ever heard of gaslighting? Okay, this is a great example of gaslighting. It's when someone manipulates you and tries to make you think that you're crazy for feeling the way you do in this relationship. That's gaslighting. Oh, I didn't give you that look. I didn't say anything anyway. anyway. I didn't. Well, yeah, I'm not stupid, am I? Am I crazy? It's gaslighting. And look at what happened. Jesus looks at the crowd and he says, why are you trying to kill me? Man, he was always direct, wasn't he? And they looked at him and they're like, you're demon-possessed. Who's trying to kill you? Nobody's trying to kill you. You're crazy. Nobody's trying to kill you, Jesus. That's gaslighting. And we know it because five verses later, you can read it. It says everybody in Jerusalem knew that they were looking to kill Jesus. Nobody's trying to kill you, Jesus. You're crazy. You must be demon-possessed. Man, he was so low. Here's the reality. People are going to believe what they wanted, want to believe. People who wanted to believe in Jesus, they got it. People who didn't want to believe in Jesus, it didn't matter how many miracles he did, it didn't matter how loving he was and how kind he was, they didn't. And here's what you need to know also. If you want to believe that you're stuck in your past, if 
you want to believe that all of that history and everything that's happened in your life and all the failures that you've made and what people have done to you, if you want to believe that all of that is keeping you stuck, you're free to believe that. But it's not true. It's not true. It's a lie. Don't believe it. You're free from Egypt. You're free from all of that. And there's new life. And it begins with gratitude. That's where it begins. If you want to believe that there are good things in your future, in spite of all the bad, in fact, you can believe that because of all the bad, good things are coming your way. You can believe it. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Why? Because it's God's will. And he who chooses to do God's will will be able to understand what God is saying. And that it's from God. Would you bow your heads? Have you chosen gratitude yet? It's time to celebrate. It's time to be grateful. Jesus forgave you. All of your sin is washed away. It's time to be grateful for that. He's given you a new life. Whatever your pains and struggles are, whatever happened to you when you were a kid, if you want to believe that you're stuck in that, okay, but otherwise this is how you get out. Enter his courts with thanksgiving and praise. Thank you, God, that you delivered me from that situation. Thank you, God, that you delivered me out of that family situation. Thank you, God, you delivered me out of that marriage. God, you delivered me out of my past, out of my addiction. You delivered me, oh God, out of all of that shame. And you've given me a new life. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Father, I pray right now that peace, your peace, would rest on each of these. Maybe there's someone here that's been mourning, that your comforter would come. accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You haven't taken him up on his offer, his invitation. Now is the time. 
Don't let it slip by. Jesus, I want you in my life. I want to get to know who you are and what you like and what you don't like. And I want to live the rest of my life accommodating for your spirit living inside of me. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. I belong to you now. In Jesus' name.